Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love. I'm here with J.D. Greer and we have our SBC series continuing today. Leading up to the annual meeting, we just wanted to talk through a couple of questions about the SBC and uh, ask Pastor J.D. some of his thoughts on just some things he's been thinking about leading up to uh, our time in New Orleans. So, um, J.D., the second question in our series is a, a good one to hear you talk through. Um, obviously, a lot of people are uncertain about where the SBC is going and how do they fit into it. So, J.D., what gives you hope about the direction of the SBC? Well, you know, today's a day that a lot of us will either head to the SBC or we will enjoy the, the second day of the, of the pastor's conference. Um, actually, you know, our conversation last week made it sound like there was a lot of things to be really concerned about. And there's some very important issues being discussed. But I, I'm actually very encouraged by a lot of things. Yeah. Um, the, the latest ACP report, I know everybody's been talking about how dismal it is in terms of just the, the the number of Southern Baptists, uh, the membership going down. But um, if, you, if you look at it, there's actually a number of things to be encouraged by. Um, across the board, attendance at Southern Baptist churches is, is up, which demonstrates a, a strong rebound after COVID. People are returning. Many are saying that Gen Z as a culture might be the most spiritually open generation that we've seen in the last, last several generations. And um, I mean, even the revivals that took place, the little kind of Little, little outcroppings of it. They just, they pretend some things that could be very, very interesting. Um, in North Carolina, all of our three major gatherings or convention gatherings in this past year were as high as they've been in 10 years. There was a sense, a palpable sense of momentum. People want to be a part of something that's moving and, and re-engaging in mission and reaching their neighborhoods and the nations. Um, baptisms are up. And that's huge. I mean, that's that represents people that are, in most cases, crossing from death into life. And, and that's something that we we should celebrate. Um, small groups, Sunday school attendance was up. I mean, so we're not talking about people that just show up on the weekend. We're talking about um, the, the the number of people that are that are leaning in and engaging with the mission and and with Christ um, with Christ community is that's up. You might have been around enough in the SBC to remember for like twenty years this was the one thing that pastors were all lamenting is um, even as attendance you know and our membership was good, uh, people were not in, in in Sunday school and small groups. So that's a big deal that this is is occurring. Uh, I, I'm encouraged by that. Yes, I'm very sober minded about how the membership numbers drop. I mean, that's, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but but in the midst of that, there's some things that we can really be celebrating. Um, I'm very encouraged by um, what's happening in our SIN network and through SIN Relief um, under the leadership of, of, of Vance Pittman and Kevin Ezell, and then of course, Bryant Wright with SIN Relief. There's a, a renewed emphasis on church planning and evangelism. Uh, with Paul Chitwood with missions. I mean, there's just, you, you can just feel that that sense of, of energy when you're in those gatherings. I uh, love what Brian's doing with Sin Relief and how just at our core, we're people who wants to to meet people's physical needs. Um, and we're knowing that we can't really address our spiritual needs until we until we meet their physical needs. That's good. Within the Sin Network, there's a renewed emphasis on leadership development. And we're seeing churches start residencies and internships to, to, to create future leaders. Uh, that's been a missing part of the discussion in the past. Uh, we, we, I remember Kevin Ezell years ago saying, uh, we got, you know, right now the problem is not money. The problem is qualified planters and leaders for these churches. Um, I mean, we're not past this hurdle yet, but but there's been a lot of intentional progress that's been made, a lot of encouraging numbers. And uh, that's, that's all upstream, which means downstream. That's going to uh, be able to address this crisis we have of not only churches that need to be planted, but um, but churches that are now pastorless in the pulpit and that need to have gifted leaders that are stepping into those and taking those churches into the future. Um, I'm encouraged because, you know, I would say that for the most part, well, for the most part, there's a, a new culture 
a recognized culture in our response toward abuse, our responsibilities toward the abused, and our responsibilities to protect uh, our congregations from these. I mean, I know there's a lot more work on this to be done. I know we got to stay the course, but but there's just a new a new conversation and a lot of leaders stepping up to say that this is not a flash in the pan from 2018 to 2021. This is this is a part of now what it means for us to faithfully be pastors in this generation. Um, I, I know there's been a lot of public conflict on this recently. I, I know that you can look at certain parts of Twitter and get discouraged about this, but I trust Marshall Blaylock and I trust the Abuse Reform Implementation Task Force. Um, and, and I actually think at this most recent issue with Guidepost, I think they demonstrate their willingness to, to listen to people uh, and in, in the interest of developing a process, a tool that churches will actually use. They're, they're showing a responsiveness. They're not showing this draconian kind of hammer they're trying to uh, leverage over the convention. They're just they're saying, "Hey, help us help you have the safest uh, environments that are safe from abuse and safe for uh, the abuse." Now, again, we still got a long way to go, but it's a new conversation at the grassroots level. Everything I'm hearing indicates an an increase in churches who are proactively seeking to do this right. Good. It's almost like like that's not even the conversation anymore about whether we should do something. The questions are just the best ways to do it. And that wasn't the conversation um, several years ago. Exactly. The state task force are, are, are seeing tremendous movement on this where they are, which is where you're going to expect most of this implementation to happen on the association, the local church, associational, and then the state level. And so that's the, I'm very encouraged by that. Um, that was the ultimate goal of everything that we were doing in this is that churches would stop assuming that's never going to happen here. And they would do everything in their power to keep people safe. And and churches are now no longer assuming that. And they're taking on that responsibility, um, their responsibility toward their congregations. Reform is always hard. You never pass a resolution. You never preach a sermon. Any pastor knows this. And then everything changes. Reform means a lot of repeated conversations and returning to the question again and again. It's hard and it's laborious, but we cannot let this unravel. We cannot let it unravel because it is faithfulness to Jesus, to his sheep, and to our churches. Uh, We can't go backwards on this. And one more thing I'll mention that I'm encouraged by is a desire among so many just to to truly be great commissioned Baptists. I almost think this is like a a quiet majority. I've always said there's two SBCs. There's the conflagration on Twitter that feels like a dumpster fire. And then there's this quiet majority that just want to be about the Great Commission. They know doctrine's important. They know that we got to have sometimes some hard conversations and figure out where to draw some lines. But the main thing they want to do is they want to send missionaries, plant churches, and reach people for Jesus. And honestly, they are sick and tired of everybody dominating the airwaves and what amount to um, just divisive conversations that that are unnecessary. Yeah, and I, I'm encouraged by that because I, I still sense that 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 quiet majority. I think they'll be well represented here in New Orleans. And I did want to say something real quick about those shrinking AACP numbers, which is basically the reports of how many people identify as Southern Baptists, and that number's gone down and went down again this year. Uh, of course, everybody wants to use that as a club to you know justify whatever they think needs to be changed. Well, the reason it's shrinking is because you're not doing. What I think, I mean, people on all sides are using that. It's it's concerning, uh, but let's just kind of call a spade a spade here. Um, those numbers are shrinking in large part because we were witnessing the death of cultural Christianity. And we should lament that because as our culture gets more and more away from its moorings in scriptural foundations, that's devastating for everybody. So I do not rejoice in that. But we also know every Southern Baptist pastor and leader knows that there's a difference in identifying as a Christian or as a Southern Baptist and being an active follower of Jesus. And many of those that are dropping off of our roles, well, they haven't been following Jesus for years. And we're just kind of acknowledging that. So 
um, the numbers are changing to reflect the reality. Again, if you look at the numbers from one view, you'll see that there's a lot more engagement, a lot more people following Jesus, but there's less and less of those cultural Christians who are members on a roll, uh, but not actually doing anything. So uh, anyway, I, I, I'm not trying to put a happy face on the drop in numbers. I lament them, but I, I think we just got to approach them the right way and rejoice where we can rejoice and ask God to turn it around so that this increased involvement and increase in leader development and increase in focus on evangelism and missions and these new movements of prayer and revival will result in a massive membership increase in the SBC that reflects people actually following Jesus. I hope the new encouraging numbers represent more and more churches leaning into the Great Commission and saying it's our responsibility to plant churches. It's our responsibility to send missionaries. This is not NAM's responsibility or the IMB's responsibility. Every church is responsible to have themselves represented in churches they plant and in missionaries they send. I've often pointed out how at the end of the first century, there were only about 7,500 Christians is what sociologists say. Yeah, by the time you get 200 years later to the um, beginning of the fourth century, 312 AD, more than half the Roman Empire identified as Christians. And the historian Rodney Stark asked, how did it, how did it go from 7,500, which is just nothing, to over half the Roman Empire? And how did they do that without money and without influence and without people in the Senate and all the things you think are necessary for, um, for the church to grow? And, and Rodney Stark says, it's because, in part, every Christian understood it was their responsibility to multiply, and every church understood it was their responsibility to plant churches. I'm praying that these new ACP numbers show that more Southern Baptist churches, well, even while we lose cultural Christians, more Southern Baptist churches are owning their responsibility in the mission of church planning and missions. So if you're coming to New Orleans or you're already here, here's what I hope you'll be thinking about. How can we do what's necessary in 2023 in this next stage to continue this struggle to make our churches safe for children and to protect our children and to make our churches safe from abusers and safe for the abused. Um, I hope that you'll be thinking about that in some of the votes that we have. I hope you'll be asking how we can stand together around the Great Commission and refuse to let, let divisiveness keep us away from the one thing that Jesus said that we should be doing, which is seeking and saving the lost. Doctrine's important, it is. Um, but we come together as a convention because we want to be focused on church planting and missions. And so let's have the doctrinal discussions, but let's do so um, with a, a renewed energy and a unity in the Great Commission that allows us to see past some of our differences. And that's the last thing. Don't don't be a part of uh, of escalating the division. I know it's it's easy. It's going to be almost fun sometimes to talk about how people on the other side, how wicked they are and how dumb and but um, don't be a part of that. Remember what James says about there's a heavenly wisdom and an earthly wisdom, and the one that comes from above is peaceable and pure. And yes, it speaks truth, but it also does so with humility and charity and kindness. And there's a wisdom from below that may be right in some of what it says, but it's demonic because it's divisive and arrogant and suspicious and, and, and covetous. I've said this since I got elected as SBC president in 2018. We don't have a doctrinal problem in the SBC. Yes, we to have good doctrine, we've got to have eternal vigilance, but it's not primarily a doctrinal problem. Right now, it's not primarily a missional problem. We have a cultural problem. We're too shaped by the godless ideology of division that we inherit from talk show pundits on, on, on various news outlets. We're too shaped by that than we are um, Jesus's passion for God's glory and the Great Commission. We should be celebrating what's working well and not allowing the loud vocal few to set the direction, which is away from the Great Commission and toward divisiveness. We need missional leaders stepping up and leading, and I hope that'll be you. All right, J.D., that was really good. Excited to see what happens in New Orleans and see how the SBC continues to grow and 
um, move into the future and try to work together to to see God's kingdom advance. That's what we all want. I'm so excited to hear some of those things you're hopeful for. And next week, we actually have a really uh, exciting episode because it's going to be a special guest, um, Pastor Tony Morita. And the question is going to be, why is it important to go to church in person? So a good, a good question to ask. Uh, JD's going to talk to Pastor Tony Morita about that. Um, and we would love it. If you like this podcast, to go ahead and leave us a rating and review. That helps other people find the podcast. The higher our ratings, the more reviews we get, the more people get suggested they should listen to the podcast. So go ahead and do that real quick. It takes two seconds and it'll help us out a ton. And we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything. Mm-hmm.